Hi, Kevin. Thanks for having me on. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So today we're going to take a look around the AFC at the challengers for this year's wildcard spots. But instead of looking at the teams themselves, which everybody and their mother will be doing over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the fan bases instead in hopes of getting a little glimpse at what may be going on within each of these organizations. So here's my premise. There's a certain spiritual aspect to what goes on in NFL organizations, front offices, locker rooms, and fan bases, and, and attributes that typically begin in the locker room and then, and then on the field. Things like confidence, desperation, arrogance, apathy, anger, excitement. They, they tend to spill into fan bases and create a sort of feedback loop that lead to a sort of organizational persona over the course of time. So by looking at the mood of a fan base, I believe you can at times get a feeling for the mood of the organization and even what's inside the locker room. So those of you who remember back to the 2012 playoffs may remember the lead-up to the Broncos' AFC Divisional game that year. The Baltimore Ravens came to Denver as a pretty good team, having won the AFC North at 10-6, and 6, but they also headed into the playoffs as a bit of a mess. Owner Art Modell had died right before the regular season began. Ray Lewis announced his retirement before the playoffs. And the Ravens came to Denver having lost four of their last five regular season games before beating Indianapolis in the wildcard round. The Broncos, on the other hand, were flying high, almost as high as at any time in regular season team history. Peyton Manning had started his first season with the Broncos slowly with several losses, but he hit a stride in October and led the Broncos to 11 straight wins, all by a touchdown or more and a 13-3 record. This team, this Broncos team, looked literally unstoppable. And I can still remember the sense of utter overconfidence that had overwhelmed Broncos countries, and myself included. I, I remember a conversation at Mile High Report where a good-hearted Ravens fan came aboard and, and gave his preview to the game and basically said more or less, you guys are going to win the game, but it may be closer to you th than you think. And here's why. Like most of the other Bronco fans, we, I remember kind of sort of scoffing at the idea that the game would even be close. And, and as it turned out, I, I think, the, the overconfidence that we felt and we experienced as a fan base, the same overconfidence played itself out in the locker room as the Broncos came out flat and, and were basically bad in, in every aspect of the game, especially their coaching, the game plan. And they ended up losing the game, of course, 38-35 to in double overtime. So I've seen other evidence of this phenomenon through the years, but this particular bursting of our overconfidence bubble in 2012 really led me to believe that NFL coaches, players, and fans share a certain spiritual connection. They, they, they are, are on a certain similar wavelength at, at any given time. So, so let's dig into this year's playoff wildcard chase and see if we can learn anything about the quote-unquote auras of these various teams. So as we know... There are six teams uh, chasing two wildcard spots right now. The Chargers at 9-3 and three are obviously in the driver's seat for the number five spot. In fact, they're, they're probably in pretty good shape to take a, take a run at winning the division, knocking out the, uh, the Chiefs. But they're not a lock, necessarily. If, if you look at um, the, the Broncos, on the chance that they win out the next four games, that means that, uh, of course, they will have beaten the Chargers twice, including... Uh, the next time they play, and and the Chargers will actually end up having to beat either the uh, Ravens or the Chiefs to to get into that number five playoff spot. So so it's not it's not a uh, a a given. 
that that uh, the Chargers will end up with that that number five spot. The Ravens are probably your favorites for the number six spot right now at seven and five, and they also have a head-to-head tiebreaker against the Broncos. They're going to be tough to beat as well. They've got a tough schedule coming up, but uh, they're a game ahead of the Broncos and and have a tiebreaker as well. And then at six and six, the Broncos are in a bit of a mosh pit with the Dolphins, Colts, and Titans. All with legitimate chances at the wild card at this point. And, and just for the sake of brevity, I, I decided to eliminate the Bengals, who are 5-7 and seven and dropping, as well as the Browns, who 4-6-1, and one, a little bit dangerous, I suppose, but they're really no threat this year. So those six teams, we're going to take a look at the most commented upon threads on SB Nation this past week as a little exercise. We're not going to look at game previews or game threads or standing threads like horse tracks or noble bull review, because pieces like that, and they're typically fantastic, are, are deeply enough into the day-to-day that I don't think they really give you a good big picture look at the underlying mood. So what we're going to do is on each of these, for each of these six teams, we're going to look at popular, highly commented upon midweek opinion type pieces and, and see what they tell us. What, what kind of, of articles are attracting fans bringing comments, and, and then what kind of comments are, are the fans making. And, and it'll give us an idea of where, the, where the, the, uh, the fans' heads are. So let's start with Denver Broncos, obviously, my high report, just a little control here. So the most comments upon peace last week, during the middle of the week, was from Ian St. Clair. Broncos must prove playoff legitimacy by beating Cincy, 116 comments. And I think that uh, that really the first, the lead-in to Ian's article here was probably nailed. I think it nailed where the Broncos fans' heads are right now. Excitement, disbelief, gasp, hope. Those are just a few of the emotions engulfing the Denver Broncos the last two weeks. After two wins over two of the best teams in the AFC, the Broncos showed themselves right into the playoff discussion. There is still a lot of work left to make that come to life, but the fact Denver is even in the discussion is a damn miracle, especially if you consider where this team was just three weeks ago. Okay, so I think that that pretty well nails it. And then you start looking into the comments, and the comments have just a certain just win at angle to it or attribute to them. This is a very, as you can tell, reading these comments, is a very hungry uh, fan base. So first one, and I think this may have been the first comment um, out there. It was Salmon. A lot of comments followed it by Quaker the Foul. We must blow out the Bengals, question mark. Why? Does a blowout victory grant us an extra victory in the standings or something? Does beating two good teams in a row should have been three? On long winning streaks, not send enough of a message or send less of a message somehow than pounding a bad team? I'll just settle for a win on the road in an early game. We've already had enough trouble in that regard. No reason to go crazy. Okay, and, and then I think pretty well reflect reflects where Bronco country is right now. We're not going to have a lot of distractions. We're not looking for for style points in terms of how we win. Just win and hopefully get the uh, breaks that we're going to need from from uh, you know some losses from a couple other teams to get into the playoffs. So now let's move over to the LA Chargers. And again, like I said, they they uh, they they have are in the driver's seat at nine and three. They're going to have to have a bit of a meltdown in order to miss the playoffs at this point or to to miss the, to fall below the Broncos as number five seed. But, but let's take a look at Bolts from the Blue and see what the, the tone is there. And, and what you see, what's very interesting, is not like what you see at, at Mile High Report. This is a team very clearly, from looking at Bolts of the View, 
the blue, that is accustomed to losing over the course of literally decades. And I think their blog kind of reflects it. Um, the, the biggest article from midweek last week, Philip Rivers receives little leeway when he plays poorly by Michael Papalardo, uh, 118 comments. He, he starts out saying, it is no secret that a team's odds of winning are lowered if his quarterback performs poorly. However, many fran- NFL franchises have shown over the last seven seasons that it is not impossible to bail out a quarterback who delivers a subpar outing. The Chargers do not fit into this group. The last time the Chargers won a game in which their quarterback threw more interceptions than total touchdowns was September 25th, 2011. There have been at least 104 instances of that happening since then. And by the way, he, he laid out the, uh, the numbers. And of, of those 104, six were actually by Peyton Manning, five in 2015 alone. So the, if you read through the comments, they're, they're, they're kind of just as, as dismissive. So one of the very first comments comes from, I think, a local writer there named Nate Pickering. And, and he says, there's really nothing about Rivers that should be unclear or controversial at this point. He is the Marty Schottenheimer of quarterbacks. And the sample sizes are sufficiently large by this point that definitive conclusions can and should be drawn. Philip Rivers is a lead pipe cinch Hall of Famer, but he has performed markedly less well in the postseason than the regular season and markedly less well, particularly in the second half of his career, late in close games. Wow, we just saw that recently, didn't we? Whether it's right or wrong, those are the situations that ultimately comprise the bulk of a quarterback's reputation when he hangs it up, and they are given far more weight by people than gaudy accomplishments of regular season stats. Okay, so basically there's bolts from the blue. That's a, that's a team with the, the Chargers. You know, they're in a good place right now statistically, but you can see the fan base is just set up and ready to lose. So let's now move over to Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens and Baltimore Beatdown. This is a team going through a totally and completely different problem than what you have in L.A. Um, the, the number one article for, for this past week, actually 414 comments, if you can believe it, evaluating the Lamar Jackson-Joe Flacco debate by Logan Levy. The, the Ravens are caught in a catch-22. Basically, if you, if you haven't followed the, um, the, the Ravens of late, Lamar Jackson is the rookie quarterback who has played and won the last three games for, for Baltimore, leaving them with a, uh, with a legitimate quarterback controversy there. So the Ravens are caught in a catch-22, and Harbaugh, John Harbaugh's fate could be determined by his decision. If he sticks with Jackson and it does not work out, he will be scolded for not going back to his veteran signal caller. If he reverts back to Flacco, he will be ridiculed for not staying with the hot hand. The bottom line is that the Ravens are not a Super Bowl contender this season. The goal of any team should never be to earn a wild card spot and hope to get lucky in the playoffs. Okay, now, as a Bronco fan, I I read that and I said, wait a minute. Have you guys already forgotten about 2012? Because we certainly haven't if you have. But anyways, he says, he goes on and he says, teams have gone on Super Bowl runs from that position, but this team does not look poised to do that. Okay, very interesting. So first, or one of the first comments posted by a poster named Rave On. I've been a Flacco supporter for a long time. Purchased the jersey as soon as he was drafted. Won it, worn it every game since. Still watch the 2012 postseason two to three times a year, but I think we have to go with Lamar. Been waiting for 2012 Flacco to show up for too long. Lamar is the future and the present. Play him. So clearly, 
in reading through Baltimore Beatdown, this is a fan base that is not particularly excited about their prospects for 2018. In fact, they're ready to turn things over to a rookie quarterback and with some very tough games coming up. And if it causes them to miss the playoffs, I think in Baltimore, they don't really care that much. They're ready to move on to 2019. All right, so let's move over to Miami, the uh, the Finn Cider. Now, Bronco fans, this the, the tone in Miami is going to send a bit of a chill down your spine. So first article, the biggest article of the week was uh, by Kevin Nogle, 179 comments. The title is, What is Wrong with the Dolphins? Changes Have to be Made. Wow, sound a little bit like where we were three weeks ago. So he starts off, he says, I believe that Ryan Tannehill is good enough to A, be a bridge to another quarterback, and B, is better than most of the rookies who will come out this year, and I would prefer to wait until 2020 for the most part in drafting a new quarterback. Boy, sound like the uh, same arguments we were having with Case Keenan a few weeks ago. The foundation seems to be in place for success, but Adam Gaze is still growing into his role as the head coach. Very interesting. Sound like Vance Joseph just a few weeks ago. In general, Dolphins fans appear to be dissatisfied with the performance of DC of defense coordinator Matt Burke after the departure of Vance Joseph. Very interesting. And they, they also seem to believe that Adam Gase is doing a lousy job as a play caller. So, so the uh, writer goes on, Kevin Nogle goes on, the Dolphins are not a bad team, no matter how much Twitter wants you to make do you have, wants to make you believe they are. The problem is they are not always a good team either. They show you flashes of it, but then they fall back to mediocrity. Okay, so comment in this comment in this one got lots of likes, likes, lots of responses, and, and, and tr- quite a bit of agreement. Uh, it comes from Daryl Dunphy. He says, I think we need to identify something that we can build around. Right now, we do not have any one unit or extraordinary player where we can build an identity. We have some good players, but every team in the league has good players. We aren't alone in the ranks of the mediocre where it feels like there is some talent. We just don't have enough, or the coaches are failing us, or the front office is terrible. Pick your cliche here. It is possible they all apply. Okay, now very interesting. Take a step back here and think about this for just a minute. Here the Broncos are at 6-6 six and six and absolutely stoked for the, the, the prospects of a playoff run. And here you have Miami... Um, at the same six and six, and, and they've pretty much already written off this season. So, very interesting to see how these fan bases are, are 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 shaking out. Okay, so let's take a look over at Tennessee Titans, the the music over at the uh, Music City Miracles site, largest, uh, biggest um, article from the middle of last week was by Jimmy Morris, two hundred and forty four comments. I'm not out on Matt Lafleur yet. But last night was really concerning, Matt LaFleur being their offense coordinator. The Titans' offensive line is trash. Let's get that out there right up front. There really isn't a guy on that line playing well, and that makes it really hard to call an offense. I get that. But there is a way to do it better than Matt LaFleur, who we all thought was going to be the savior, did it last night. All right, so comments. Um, TD Tommy D. I think this just isn't our year. This is the NFL. Schnitzel happens. Okay, now that's a little bit of Broncos and Bratwurst filtering there. We had our quarterback loose feeling in his hand for six weeks. We lost our best offensive weapon in week one, and our old line has been banged up. We got burned by deep balls. We got burned by bad coaching decision. We got, we, and we, we got, and we installed a new offense. This is why it isn't working this year. But again, this is the NFL. 
Look at the Eagles, who returned most of a Super Bowl roster and added Wentz to it, who is great, and they are just as schnitzel as we are. We still have a good team. I would have killed for this quarterback, the coaches and ownership, in 2013. The team just have to focus on improving certain areas like interior O-line and pass rush and roll the dice again next year. I realize we can still make playoffs as a wild card, but we aren't doing anything in the playoffs. I'm disappointed at where we are were at considering we we look how good we looked at times, but overall I'm still happy with this team and where it stands. Hopefully we can make a run next year. Okay, so very interesting again. Here's another team, Music City Miracles, Tennessee Titans, six and six, and they've basically written off this year. Okay, so now let's move on to Indianapolis Colts, Stampede Blue. All right, the Colts, uh, Colts. Tight end Jack Doyle suffers what is feared to be a season-ending injury. 116, 176 comments by Chris Blystone. The Colts went into Sunday right in a five-game winning streak, so certainly there's reason for optimism. Um, but, but take a look at the note, or take a look at the tone of this article compared to what you saw from some of these other fan bases. Okay, so he says the, the Colts' offense has been humming since week six, and a major component of that offense, both in terms of blocking and as a reliable target for luck, has been Jack Doyle. Doyle has been overshadowed in terms of production this season by Eric Ebron, who has 12 touchdowns on the season, but his presence on the offense was definitely an important one. Okay, definitely on the optimistic side. Now look at comment number one, tons of likes. Well, F-bomb. F-bomb, 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 F-bomb. That is all by 88 horsepower. Okay, comment number two. Flagged and well said. Um, VA Hoosier. I thought that the first couple of comments were kind of funny. Okay, so comment number three, and this one got lots of likes. And it says, I'm not so sure this is as big a loss as people think. Doyle's very good, and I like him, no doubt, but assuming everyone else is healthy, I think they can survive. Hewitt is a better blocker, and Swoop and Cox are probably better receivers. The problem is you're swapping the good all-around player for three more or less one-dimensional guys. Although I don't think Cox is a bad blocker like Ebron and Swoopar by Fire Cashman. Okay, so what you're seeing, I think, in, in Indianapolis now is a little bit more, um, a little bit more optimism. That, that, that there's still some hunger there, some, some, some thoughts that maybe this team can make a bit of a playoff run. And, and so, so what, let me ask you now that we've gone through the six, what if we learned from this exercise? Basically, out of the six teams we've looked at, I think you've got one, the, um, the Chargers that are, are basically, you know, just a, 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 they're, they're waiting to, to lose. I mean, you, can, you can see that, that um, they've got it in their minds. I think, oh, well, it was us another year. Whether we choke in the playoffs or we choke before the playoffs, it's, it's going to happen. And then you've got three of the six, Baltimore, Miami, and Tennessee, who have kind of written things off for this year. And then finally, you've got uh, the Broncos, who are extremely uh, excited and optimistic, and and the Colts, who are still kind of hungry. So, so what, Kevin, do you think we've learned from this exercise? I do believe it indicates that the Broncos' fan base is the most confident, engaged, and passionate of the wild card contenders right at the moment. You know, certainly a three-game winning streak is going to help in that regard. Is it a confidence, engagement, and passion that we'll see played out on the field? Now that we've lost Chris Harris, Matt Paradis, and Ronald Leary um, for the season, at least the regular season for Chris Harris, he may be back for the playoffs. And, and we're going to see for the next few weeks a Franken line on offense and a Franken secondary on defense. Um, 
possibly, possibly. And I think I don't want to overplay the message here and, and go and make a bold prediction that it's going to be the Broncos and Colts that make the playoffs this year because realistically we all know that uh, the Chargers and the Ravens are are the favorites to, to be certain just with where they are in the standings. But I think it's going to be interesting in the coming weeks to see how this mood plays itself out because I think you're what you're going to see is you're going to see Baltimore by virtue of a backup quarterback or I'm sorry, of a rookie quarterback, as well as Miami and Tennessee start to fade, I believe. And then you're going to also see, I think, the Broncos and Colts hang in tough. And and does that mean that the Broncos will actually make the playoffs? Maybe, maybe not. I think realistically, even if the Broncos went out, their chances of making the playoffs are probably slightly above 50%. But I, I do think that there's momentum. I do think the fans are engaged. I do think the players are engaged. And I do think things are going in the right direction. And a playoff run could very well be ahead. So, Kevin, back to you.